What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. Happy Wednesday, September 26th. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. Every morning, every day of the season, Monday through Friday, you get this podcast delivered to your app. Thank you for listening. If you've been listening, if you're new here, we appreciate you stopping by. We're going to dive into a great conversation with CBS Sports NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. My main takeaway is that some crazy stuff could be going down with Le'Veon Bell soon. I highly recommend you don't fast forward, but uh, you know, listen to this whole show. Tons of great information from JLC as always. Uh, not a ton of news. Oddly, it's kind of a slow, uh, it was a slow Tuesday in the NFL. If you didn't listen to yesterday, show with Brady Quinn on Tuesday. You should go check that out too because he has a great story about how um, he basically went and saw, went and looked at tape when he was with the Broncos watching uh, uh, Geno Smith run the you know the jet sweep pitch play to Tavon Austin for a bunch of touchdowns, took it to Adam Gase and then on Sunday we actually saw Adam Gase uh, run it with the Dolphins and um, and score a long touchdown with it. So that's kind of cool how that was connected. I recommend checking that out uh, very quickly around the news section because um, I don't think that there's a ton of – I'm just trying to say house cleaning stuff. There's not a bunch of stuff. I actually was hoping to filibuster long enough to find out where I stand in terms of the, uh, the podcast Pick'em's League. Oh, yeah, baby, 20th overall right there. Uh, Chad Sabo and Stan Markowski. Are you kidding me, Stan Markowski? Stan Markowski is also in the Pick Six podcast, um, one of the, the the fantasy football leagues, and he is he's dominating. He actually named his team Surface Level Clowns, which is a, a reference to to this podcast from last year. And uh, he's three and zero in the division I'm in, and making me look bad. So good for you, Stan. Way to catch fire coming out of the gates. Of course, we have prizes for those. If you didn't get into them, you want to get into them next year. Shoot me a note. Um, as always. My DMs are open. I'm kind of enjoying this. It's a weird um, open relationship I got going on with my DMs. And uh, and, and you can email me, willbrinson at gmail.com. I found the DMs are easier, but, you know, whatever whatever works for you. But I'm walking you down, Stan. Don't worry about it. We're com- coming for you in that Pick'ems League. If I win this Pick 6 pod Pick'ems League, and we got like, I, I don't know, it's like several several thousand people in this thing. Not sure everybody's making picks every week, but you know, you get the point. Uh, we got several thousand people in it. If, um, if I win this thing, there will be gloating. I'm going to talk about it more than I do my super contest picks, which I have not put in for this week. We will talk about super contest picks with RJ White and Pete Briscoe later in the week. Uh, we're going to have Heath Cummings. Come on uh, Thursday to break down some fantasy stuff. Of course, Nick Costas will be joining us. Lots of good stuff coming each and every week here. In the meantime, the news, there's not again. Not a ton of it. Everson Griffin, a really weird, scary story. The Vikings defensive end has apparently been troubled for several weeks and thought that it's thought that somebody's like coming to get him or coming to kill him. And he got very paranoid and concerned. Um, his wife told the police that he's been, he basically ducks in and out of the house when he has, he's, he hears demons in his head. Um, and he goes and stays at a hotel. And he got into an incident at a hotel where he's like d- demanded to get into somebody's door. He was going to shoot somebody and there was no gun found and no arrest made, but really scary story. He didn't play on Sunday. He was listed as out with a knee injury throughout the week. 
and, and then the Vikings didn't play him and, and Mike Zimmer and the Vikings addressed this on Sunday. Um, and then again on Monday and, and Tuesday, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I would not expect, obviously, uh, Everson Griffin to be anywhere near the field on, on Thursday against the, the Rams. He has been uh, ordered to undergo a mental health evaluation. He is at a mental health facility. This is one of those things where, again, you always put his safety and his well-being and everyone else's well-being ahead of football. Hope he gets better. Hope he gets the treatment he needs. Hope somebody can talk to him and hope this ends in a, in a, you know, net positive fashion, but a very concerning story, um, out, out of Minnesota as it relates to one of their top defensive, pa- defensive players and certainly one of their top pass rushers. Jerry Jones likened the NFL to boxing and said that pro players are paid to be in a quote, very physical game. Um, I, you know, I, Jerry Jones says a lot of things and I'm not going to pick apart. Like he said that something about circumcising a mosquito once in a time, once in a while ago. And I'm not going to pick apart everything Jerry Jones says, but suffice to say that, um, when, when you say that when you come out as a, uh, old, old rich guy who is an NFL owner and you point out that, um, everybody who plays in, in your league deserves to be paid or they're paid so they deserve to get the, the crap kicked out of them. That's not really what the league office wants you to be saying. Since they just, you know, set, locked down that whole concussion lawsuit thing. So that somehow Jerry Jones saying that will let it fly under the radar, but not a good thing. Uh, elsewhere in Cowboys news, Jason Garrett defended Cowboys offensive coordinator Scott Lenahan after the Cowboys bad start. I predicted the Cowboys would go three and 13 to start the, to, to this season. Um, I caught some flack from Cowboys fans. Feel okay about that one right now. NFL competition committee are uncomfortable with the roughing the passer calls, but no changes coming this year. Lovely, wonderful, fantastic. The Packers have signed Brashad, Brashad Breland, nice free agent who got hurt, um, on a vacation. I cut his foot on like some coral reef or something. He'd sign with the Panthers and then they had to rescind the contract. Weird stuff. Uh, but that's a good signing by the Packers. That should bolster, bolster their secondary. That defense has not been fantastic. Dirk Cutter has told Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick what he's going to do at, Bucket- at the Buccaneers quarterback position, but he's not going to tell us. Let me tell you, Dirk, how this is going to go. You're going to ride the, the Fitzpatrick wagon, the Fitz magic wagon until that thing crashes. And as I said on Twitter, you're going to ride it until it crashes into a pit of lava filled with sharks. And it's going to crash spectacularly. And when it does, you're going to pull the ripcord. You're going to break the glass. You're going to go to Jameis Winston. And we're going to move on from there. And that's just how it's going to be. And if it happens to be week 16, that's a bit, you know, week 17, that's a great deal for you. That means you got more out of Ryan Fitzpatrick than you could have possibly ever expected. If you want to go back and watch all of Ryan Fitzpatrick's throws and why wouldn't you, or go back and see like that crazy face he made on Monday Night Football, and you're like, ah, oh, how can I go see that face again? Oh, it's so, so crazy, so cool. Um, nobody's probably saying that, but, but like I, sometimes I need to go screenshot stuff. The only way to do it is with NFL Game Pass and you can get a free six day trial of, seven day trial, excuse me, of NFL Game Pass if you go to NFL.com backslash, sorry, NFL.com slash pick six, that's P-I-C-K-S-I-X. Go there, sign up for a free seven-day trial. You will get to watch any NFL game you ever want to watch. You can watch the broadcast version, the condensed version. As you're listening to this, you'll be able to watch the all-22 version, which means the eye and the sky, the coaches tape that NFL teams utilize to prepare for opponents. It's pretty cool that you can do that. I highly recommend you do it, and I highly recommend you check out the conversation we're about to have with CBS Sports NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. All right, Jason. 
Big week three in the books. Yours true. Well, yours. Ah, oh, it was a great week three. NFL still a great week. It's NFL still kicking my ass, but it's it's great. I I I would sell my soul to go five hundred against the spread these days, but that's all right. Oh yeah, you. I I actually led the league. I led the league. I led the CBS experts this week in picks. I went four and one uh, in the super contest after going zero and five um, in week two. So a nice little bounce back for me. Yeah, that's uh, big. I I I you know hypothetically, if I was wagering on football over the weekend. And I had a good weekend. I would have hypothetically lost it all back on the Patriots, um, Lions game. I may have miss, uh, miss, I may have misunder, miss, uh, I may have underestimated just how much the Patriots need Gronk to be dominant and, and not yeah. double teamed. Uh, I the am. The power of the pencil. It's all Patricia. It's the power of the pencil. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of my best bets. And, the Lions uh, were? I had that game completely wrong. No, the Patriots. Oh. Oh, okay. I, I couldn't even win that game. I thought, I'm like, this week, I'm just going to scrape the bottom of the barrel. I'm going to go low-hanging fruit. Like, give me the Jags to score a touchdown and give me, you know what I mean, the the Pats to win by seven against the team that looks like the dregs of the league. Well, Where was I wrong? I, 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 that's, you know what? Shame on me for in, uh, after a one and two week to, to put my money, well, not hypothetical money, on Blake Bortles. Shame on me. Mm. Shame on me. I had visions of sugar plums and Prisco's dancing through my head <laughs> when I decided to roll with Bortles. The idea of, Unbelievable. The idea of a very tan Pete in a fairy dress is pretty terrifying. Um, what, okay. I, we, we actually were praising him in this very space a week ago. Now uh, I, I want to kick myself in the face. In fact, I just did. <laughs> I mean, you talk about regressing to the mean. He, what a what a S show. Yeah. I, I mean, that was... No, it was. No, I mean, it was. Dude, I mean, like, he went from looking like all swagged out, confident, like I'm ready to take the lead by storm, to looking like indifferent, petrified, and like seeing ghosts. I, I don't, I mean, it's hard to, it's really, it's hard to fathom how a guy can look that Jekyll and Hyde in the span of six days. I mean, he couldn't complete a pass to save his life. Well, he wasn't setting his feet, he was missing screen passes. It was like he, I don't know if he thought he arrived, like, I'm, you know, I'm Swaggy B. I just have to show up now or what. I don't know what it was, but that was a painful football game to watch. It really is. Six to nine. It's a nice score, but it's not the score you want to see. The, 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 back to the Patriots thing. Um, what was Bill Belichick going to do if he traded Gronk to the Lions on offense this year? What, I mean, that, that, Gronk, had, Gronk admitted that he... Well, it was a pretty good tight end draft. I'd imagine he'd draft a tight end. You know what I mean? In the, like, in the first I, round? I know, I mean, Andrews and Hurst. But it's usually like they and the Ravens. You know, Ozzie Newsom comes from the Belichick tree. Yeah. Like the year that the Patriots took Hernandez and Gronk, you know, the Ravens were in on both those guys, but they missed them by a couple picks. So they took Pitta and Dixon. You know what I mean? So I imagine he uses draft capital on a, on a tight end. But do you, I mean... Okay, so but that, that's that's fair, but like nobody's coming in and replicating Gronk. I mean, what what were the what were the Patriots going to get for Gronk in that hypothetical deal? I mean, like a first round pick from the Lions before the draft. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't trade a one for Gronk with all the med medical issues and where he is in his career. I mean, I mean, because if the Patriots trade a second, I mean, like I know that this is this didn't happen, and they signed Gronk, and he's in, and he's sort of happy. Maybe maybe Tom Brady's happy, but he's if they. Fine. If they trade a second for Gronk, or they trade Gronk for a second, and they have Mike Gusecki and Philip Dorsett running routes, and Chris Hogan running routes for them, 
I mean, this team's in way worse trouble, and people are really not happy about it. Yeah, I mean, if they do that, then do they keep Brandon Cooks? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like the timeline of all of it and trying to, like, piece it back together. And, and I will say this. They generally have a plan, whether you agree with it or don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think they go through things willy-nilly, although I, I will always say that, that the way they handled – and I shouldn't say they, it's he, it's Belichick – the way he handled the Garoppolo thing, I mean, that, that, that was the biggest travesty. That's, that, if, if this is the winding down of the Patriots dynasty, you can go back to that nexus point and him waiting to right before the deadline instead of having an auction before the draft and just, you know, exploiting Sashi Brown on the way out. That could have really extended it. You know, you could have added a pass rusher and a pass catcher on the cheap and maybe really kept it going. And I'm not saying it's over. I still think they'll win that division, you know, and and with Brady in the playoffs, anything's possible. But, you know, trading Gronk, I, I mean, Gronk may be diminishing returns now, too. I mean, he's great as a, as a decoy, and in any given week he can be outstanding. But to me, he, he plods so much now. He really doesn't separate wow. like he used to. You know, it's really you hope he catches a ball and then it's, you know, rumbling, bumbling, stumbling the old Chris Berman bit after the ball's in his hands, right? <laughs> you just hope he starts running over people. But, I mean, the days of Gronk latching onto a ball in the air 50 yards downfield, I don't know about that. Not unless it's a complete busted coverage. Do you, so, do you think that Gronk is going to retire when Tom Brady retires? I think it depends on his health and what kind of season he's coming off of and is there some other team out there that wants to throw money at him. Um, but I'd say I'd say he he's he's a guy who sees enough opportunities to live um, handsomely outside of the gridiron that it would not surprise me if that if it were to dovetail. Uh, I mean, and is this we like to blend our overreactions with the news of the day? So, do you think this is the like? I mean, I'm not. We're not going to use this as a headline or anything because it's not. It's annoying as hell when people are like, "The Patriots dynasty is finally dead." It feels like this year, though, it could be closer to to kind of coming apart, and yet people are have been burned too many times at this point to actually yeah, say. I, it. I don't know, man. Like I'm thinking back to 2014. Like the what was the year they started one and three, and Gronk was like hurt, and like Dion Lewis hadn't become Dion Lewis yet, and you're looking at their skill players. You know, and you're looking at the other side of the ball and saying, you know, are they really, is Rob Ninkovich really going to get them 10 sacks this year? You know, like I, I can just remember looking at teams in years past right around this point and saying, wow, not a lot of team speed, uh, hardly any natural pass rushers. Who the hell is Brady throwing to? These dudes on the offensive line are just dudes. You know, and then they win 12 games, and if they don't win the Super Bowl, they, you know, at least they're playing in the championship game. I, so I, I, let me get, you know, let's get through October. Let's get to the midway poll, and let's see what Edelman and Josh Gordon do on offense. And let's see. He's going to make more trades between now and the trade deadline. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, he'll buy low. He'll do his Barkevious Mingo type deal. And maybe he finds a young pass rusher who he gets five sacks out of in the second half of the year. Maybe he finds the diamond in the rough, um, you know, to help his linebacking core and add some speed there or something. I don't know, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to write them off by any stretch. Um, <laughs> this is obviously a big game with the Dolphins, though. And if Miami wins this game, and you're at the quarter pole with a three-game lead, that's you know because you could you know the Jets could lose, and now you're looking at you know everybody else being one and three, and you're four and zero. Oh. 
that's uh, you, you've built up a, a pretty good margin for error in a league that usually has no no margin for error. Yeah. So that would be that would be um, not insignificant if the Dolphins went in there. And right. I mean, that's gonna you're gonna now you know you've basically as long as Tannehill stays healthy, you've basically assured your you, you know there's no excuse not to be playing meaningful games into December, and you know it, it would take even New England a while to make up a three game lead when you only play once a week. So. Um, but no, I, I can't. I can't write them off. I, I, well, you, I, I've seen this movie too many times before. Does it? Does it feel a little? Is it? Is it seem to be different though because of all the off season drama? Because this is the first year where we're looking at the Patriots, and not that not like they, not that they seem. If flawed they had or, lost McDaniel's, and there was some dude, I, and I, and I don't mm, love everything Josh did last week either. He got, he he's got, also playing. He he's also pants. playing with a limited deck, and I think if he had his way, Josh Gordon would have been out there at least as a decoy. Ooh. But if they had some Jamoke column plays, then I would be like, I could see Brady just by week five being like, you know what I mean? I'm taking this thing over, and then it is a mutiny, and then Lord knows how that that plays out. But because they've got him there, and especially he's got a, help is on the way. Like Pittsburgh can't play defense. Kansas City can't play defense. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Like. San Diego or San Diego, LA is currently constructed, can't play defense. Also, they stink. Now, they that stink. That should change. The Chargers stink. The Chargers suck. The char- I'm sorry, the Chargers it, are terrible. That should change, but right now they can't play defense. Now, you put Ingram and Bosa back there, and it, may, it should be different, but we don't know when that's happening. So, all they got to do is, you know what I mean? Like, Brady's got to look like Brady. If they score 28 to 32 a game, whatever, they're going to be all right. And that's. They would not be alone. I mean, look, we've said this for years. The AFC, whoever wins the AFC is not going to be a great, even these New England teams that have made the Super Bowl the last couple of times, the rosters, they're not great teams. Right. They have the greatest coach ever and the greatest quarterback ever, and it overcomes a hell of a lot. But Bill Belichick, the GM, has been trying to undermine Bill Belichick, the head coach, for about five years now. Mm. But Brady's the mitigating factor, and they get enough right, just enough right, that that and Brady can – you know, keep it together. But by the uh, way, yeah. By, by the I way, the so the next three games for the Patriots are notable because they get the Dolphins at home Sunday, September thirtieth, week uh, one p.m. I assume that game is on CBS because it's an AFC battle. Yeah, it's a, it's our we've got doubleheader this weekend, and that is our national game in the one. Oh, is that is that the is that the Nance uh, Nance Romo game that we're sending him to? Ah, uh, I'm not sure that's the Nance Romo game. Give me Bruce Arians, I baby. Think th- those guys are at our 425 national game, I believe. I think it's Gannon's team on the call in Miami, New England. That'll work. All right. Uh, and then they get the Colts on a short week at home on a Thursday with a bang, and Andrew Luck that is still, we'll get to Andrew Luck in a second. Um, and then they get a 10 day break before the Chiefs at home, um, on a Sunday night game. So that's not easy. Like those teams, Miami, Indianapolis, and Kansas City right. are all better than they, than everybody yeah. thought they would be coming into the year. Yes. But they are three games at home with a favorable break in between those games in terms of spacing. Um, and, and I, I would anticipate that the Patriots are, uh, are end up being four and two by the end of that at worst case three. If they three. win those three games, then they're, that's, you know what I mean? They're set up. Yep. They're set up pretty yeah. well. I mean, that, you know, you're talking about having that knocked off. The Chiefs, which that could be a tiebreaker for the first overall seed. Yep. And you're talking about beating the one team in your division that looks like it might give you a run for the for your money. Yep. 
And by the way, the Dolphins fan as well. And the Dolphins, yeah, the whole, if, if that's where they're sitting in the middle of October, the narrative has changed completely. Yes, and the Dolphins are at New England, at Cincinnati, and home against Chicago. Like the the the, the yeah, pa- that's going to be interesting. The Patriots could be four and two, and the Dolphins could be three and three, and we'll be like, man, that was stupid what we were talking about back in late September. Um, as as we do a lot, Andrew Luck. So, what are people saying? What's the what sort of chat? I would just say this is, you know what I mean. This is a work in progress, and they're they're going to treat him with kid gloves. And and was I surprised to see Brissett throw that? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was I shocked? I, I maybe not. I mean, I think if you just look at what they're doing as an offense right now, it's 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 a lot of short and intermediate stuff. It's a lot of timing stuff. They want to get the ball out of his hands. You know, the, who who is their deep threat? Yeah, let's see why he'll. So, like, who who are they even going to try? Like, so are we really going to risk a five or seven step drop and him getting destroyed from the blind side to throw a jump ball up to? I mean, T. Y. Hilton's not. You know, I mean, T. Y. Hilton's not winning one on one fifty yards downfield with any regular. That's not who he is right now. Right. So, like, who is that? You know what I mean? Like, on a hope and a prayer. So I think look, I, I, I'm a big believer in Frank Reich, and I, I think they got their eyes on the prize long term, and they haven't had a full complement of running backs yet, and they're still fighting to stay balanced just because they understand the, the need to try to get Andrew Luck in a in a scheme and a system, um, and just a way of playing that kind of eases him back in and keeps him comfortable and doesn't have him looking over his shoulder. You know the left tackle's been in and out, so I, I, I don't I don't have a problem with anything they're doing. Um, and let's see Andrew Luck in the second half. You know you, 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 he's missed a lot of time. He's coming back from a significant surgery that had multiple setbacks. Like look at guys coming off ACLs and what they're like the first half of the first yep. year back. This guy's been out two years, so I, I, I'm not freaking out about that. And and Andrew Luck has played well enough for them to be three and zero. Yeah, like he hasn't been dominant, but. He's played at a level that they've been in every game. Yes, he still throws more picks than I'd like, but that team could easily be three and zero right now. That team is punching above their weight class. I'm not worried about Andrew Luck. Um, here's my theory on it. I'm just curious what you what you think, and uh, relative to what you hear, is that it's what if it's possible, or what if it's even obvious that Andrew that like this is still. In the same way that this is part of like the NFL's extended preseason, that Andrew Luck is not back in terms of building up his arm strength. When they when they had him throw, of course he's not. No, but I mean, like, I mean, but when they had him throw, yeah. when they had him throw fifty three times in week one, it was sort of like, oh, I guess that he met he's met his timeline. But I'm starting to think that his timeline is more like it keeps building and it keeps building, and maybe by mid season he'll be at you know the full range of being able to do what he's doing because like he's only thrown. 20 yards down the field eight times so far this season. Yeah, no, they're not taking shots. And again, yeah. I get it because who's winning downfield? Like, they don't. Right. Their tight ends aren't going to win downfield. Right. Um, T.Y. Hilton's going to beat you more 15 to 25 yards downfield underneath stuff. You know, he breaks a pattern off, goes to the sideline, or breaks a pattern off and cuts inside to beat zone. And, you know, he gets, he gets a window to throw there. But. I, you know, Dorsett was supposed to be that guy. Like they don't, they don't have that guy. Yeah, um, and, and and I agree with you on the hail mary. Like it's a like a three percent chance you're going to complete a pass. Why would you blow out Andrew Luck's arm throwing that ball down the field when you have a perfectly healthy? Or even just, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, is it overly cautious? Yeah, but dude, if I was them after what they've been through. And how the last regime almost got this guy killed. I would, I mean, I don't know that my mind would work that much that I'd be like, 
let's get percent in there. But like, if somebody said it into my headset, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I might be like, yeah, what the hell? You know what I mean? Right. Risk reward, fine. Yeah, sure. Any chance? Is it overly? Maybe, but what? Why not? Any chance that they trade Jacoby Brissett with the forty? Like, what? What were the forty nine? I mean, they've been open to it, but they they put a high price on, on his head. I mean, that was. Uh, I mean, like. It, it, they believe he is a starting quarterback and easily one of the 32 best starting quarterbacks. So if people talk about a two or whatever for Foles, this guy's got way more upside than Foles. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, a high two, maybe a one, sure. I don't think they're getting a one, especially not – I mean, I just – I don't see that happening. But, like, well, what, it so, would have been interesting if, like, San Francisco was 3-0 and in this thing happened. Yes, yes. You that's, 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 so, like, San Francisco, that would have been interesting. Like, are, are they then thinking, let's go get Brissett, let's go get Tyrod Taylor. Um, Teddy Bridgewater? <laughs> I don't, I mean. Saints flipping for a two and all of a sudden. Could, I mean, look, I, if the Saints were 0-3 and, and they're like, we better start getting draft capital back for, you know what I mean, for mm-hmm. Davenport and whatever else we did, maybe. They, they're all in. I mean, to me. The Saints are more like right now thinking, man, we don't need Le'Veon Bell, but what if we had him? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> stop they, it. Like, stop it. Like, like, that's not happening, but like, that's how they think. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where Sean and Mickey are. They're like, anything that's out there, it's like, could we make, like, this is like, we've already got more running backs than we need. And, you know, with Ingram coming back, but man, you know, what if we just got Le'Veon Bell and played him as, you know, a fullback or whatever? Like, I, I'm just saying. You know, I think it's more about, well, we really need a cover corner more than we need a cover safety. But, wow, what the hell? You know, if we got Earl Thomas, what could we do? So, so I, I don't think I don't think they're in, you know, the opposite of, of – I think they're in accruing assets, not trading assets. So the, so the, um, Saint, well, the Saints are all in on basically, like, let's – whatever we can do to try to give ourselves a chance to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, we've got a year or two of Drew Brees still being this guy. we got to maximize it. All right, well, let's talk about those two guys you mentioned, Le'Veon Bell – I mean, is it is well? Actually, hold on. Before we get to Le'Veon Bell, is so. Do you think San Francisco trades for a quarterback, or do they just stand pat, knowing? No, I think they they ride C.J. Beathard. I think that they when, when they drafted him, I heard a lot of cousins, cousins, cousins. Well, the, you know, cousins turned into an asset. So I think they, they they're they're look. They, I mean, the, what are the odds that they catch the Rams without Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, I mean, whether you say five percent, you know, like, whatever, they get Tyrod Taylor. Like, are they still catching the Rams in all likelihood? No. You know, and then the NFC's loaded. So then the wild card is a crapshoot. And even then, do we want to trade a two or three that could become a ten-year starter? You know what I mean? To hope we get to a wild card game, like eh. So I think the way Kyle looks at this now is all right. I got to try to you know put lipstick on a pig here and make the best of this crappy situation. So what if I, you know, coach up C.J. Beathard and he looks half decent and we still finish somewhere close to 500 ish. And now, you know what I mean? And there's no way there's going to be as many quarterbacks available last next year as last year, right? right? The draft is starting to look better than people thought, but there ain't going to be five of them in the first round. And you don't have all, you're not going to have as many veterans out there. So what if I, you know, people, somebody traded for AJ McCarron, right? What yeah. was that? A five after five. the guy had lost his job to two other dudes. <laughs> yeah. So what could C.J. could C.J. Beathard get me a three? You know what I mean? If C.J. Beathard plays at a, you know, a replacement level quarterback output, yeah, I think it's probably more about that right now. And the third guy is you know whoever they sign, 
I would think it would, between Yates and those guys, Savage would maybe make the most sense. But you have that guy, you know what I mean, in an emergency break glass and go to him. But no, like again, if they were three and zero and the thing looked like a juggernaut and Jarek McKinnon wasn't already out for the year, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Goodwin hadn't already had a significant. I know he's back. He made a big play last week, but like. It's starting to feel like it's not, you know what I mean? Like, this probably ain't our year, right? right. Like, the football gods are pretty much telling us, like, you know, so the, great yeah. offseason, hope it helps you in 2019. Yeah, I mean, it would be weird for them to, to see them shove all in. And I think it's, too, like, the part of the problem is if you're the 49ers, you don't want to give up any, like, reasonably significant asset for a quarterback because th- that asset could end up being a top, you know, top five pick. And Kyle develops quarterback. I mean, part of the the reason you go out and get a Kyle Shanahan is that, now I know the original plan was we don't have to go out and give a quarterback $27 million a year. Well, the market changed, and I, I would have done the same thing they did for Garoppolo. But if he can develop somebody on the fly who then become you know, who you flip for something, I mean. Sure. That's, like, yeah. That, that's, that's, like a- there's an inherent you know, uh, tremendous value in that. You could trade. So, you could you can trade CJ Beathard back to the Patriots for a second round pick, um, <laughs> and he can he can replace Tom Brady. All right, what about what about Lev Bell? Because I thought the Forty ers made sense if if Garoppolo is healthy that, and they're winning games. Yeah, that's they would have made all the sense in the world again if they didn't lose their quarterback and and yeah, then. But I think that's a tough seller ownership to say, hey. Um, we gave all this money to a running back and he's gone and we gave all this money to a quarterback and he's gone. Let's go get this running back who we don't know exactly what kind of shape he's in. And let's give him, you know, $850,000 a week to try to salvage our season. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying that it, that in like it, it doesn't make sense because for what these teams make, it absolutely makes sense. But for the way these teams operate, I think it's probably naive to expect that. And and how and what could Le'Veon Bell really do? You know, like how much is he going to be able to save a season with C.J. Beathard? You know, I, right? Well, well, who else? Who else would make sense? Because I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the problem with the the Le'Veon Bell thing that people don't really understand is that if you trade for Le'Veon Bell, you then have to. First of all, he has to he has to agree to sign the Steelers' tender, and they have to trade him yeah. for whatever it is, and. You cannot technically you cannot you, you technically extend yeah. him. You would have to have some handshake deal with his agent. But if Le'Veon Bell gets to the end of the season is like and thinks he's going to have more value out there, he could yeah. just he, he could just peace he, out. Absolutely. Or or if he gets hurt, you could be like, uh, sorry, Le'Veon, we we actually. So yeah. that's why it's almost impossible to do a deal because. Well, I think a deal gets done, but it, it's impossible to do the deal the Steelers would ideally want to do a fair value football trade right. because this Wait, is so you you've think, got a disgruntled player who they don't think they can bring back to their locker room now, so that decreases value. You can't extend the contract. That significantly increases, decreases the value. He hasn't, no one's seen him on a football field, even in a preseason game, just to see what he looks like outside of street clothes in you know, six months. That's decreasing the value. We're in season where teams have generally, for the most part, owners have set their budgets. Now, I just told you they don't have to do it that way, and they're making money hand over fist, but that's how they do it, and that's what they all say. So a lot of owners, a lot of GMs out of hand would be petrified to even go to their owner right now and say, okay, let's say they're going to make the trade this week. Can I get another $10 bucks? Like, they, they, they're, they're scared to do it, because if it doesn't work, that what does that do? Right. That gets them fired, right? Yep. Remember that year where we made that trade in October and you said it was going to save our season and I paid another $10 <laughs> million bucks and there was nobody in the stands in December? Remember that one? Yeah, you're gone. So all those mitigating factors mean they're not going to be able to make the trade that they 
would have been able to make before the draft, for instance. Right. Uh, and, and I mean, but there's still a trade to be made because eventually it's addition by subtraction. And mm-hmm. eventually there's so much resentment there that, like, what's the reception going to be? Like, what, what are – I mean, A.B. would be cool, but, like, DeCastro, uh, Pouncey – Maybe Big Ben. How how's that going to go? So are we too far? Are we too far down the path for Le'Veon to come back? Is that what you're saying? They don't think he wants to be there. I mean, they think he's made it pretty clear he doesn't want to be here. And now they think our players really don't. I mean, with a couple of exceptions, probably don't want him anyway. So, you know, they okay. the Rooney family was against this. Right. We don't we don't reward holdouts. I don't think it's a holdout, but I understand. You know. Uh, they do. I think it's something different when a guy decides not to sign something that, you know, was negotiated above his head. I mean, yeah. that was negotiated between the NFL and the NFLPA, you know. So he just gets the piece of paper. He decides not to sign it. I don't think that's a holdout. I think it's a business decision. But regardless, you know, they feel like he's not fulfilling his level of commitment. They feel like he's out there rubbing their face on it by sending out pictures on jet skis and at the club and on the yacht and all that stuff. And he's like, they're busting their butt trying to save their season. You know, they've taken the temperature of their locker room and they've seen guys come out publicly and rip a player's paycheck like I've never seen in the history of covering professional sports, period, not just the NFL. And they've seen now, you know, this team that tends to have a lot of drama and then galvanize from it. They think maybe we're coming together now. So you know what? We don't need this guy showing up whenever he decides to maybe mess our mojo up again. And he's going to like he's going to want the ball now, right? Like if his whole thing is I'm only playing eight games, well, you damn sure know he's going to demand like he's going to sure. want the ball because the only way for him to get his value right is to be a workhorse. I just want to be a workhorse for eight and not sixteen to save my body, which again is his prerogative, but doesn't mean they have to cater to him. So. The further you get down this road, finally ownership, as the management of the team keeps explaining these scenarios to them, you know, eventually Rooney goes, yeah, okay, I got you. You know, like I'm on board. When these teams call, you don't have to tell them, hey, you know, our, our ownership's not willing to entertain a trade at this point. You tell them, yeah, we'll listen, come back, you know, come back, call us, you know, no rush, but we're, we're here. Teams are calling. We'll see where this goes. You know, yeah, we're, we're, we're open to trading them. All right, so and, and okay. so that's that's where we stand. But once you reach that point with a player of this stature, he's gone. You know, like he's like even this Earl Thomas thing. Like, what are the odds that Earl Thomas is still there after the trade deadline? Uh, you know, when you, you tell me you put what a guy are, like that on the you, market are, and you're willing to entertain it. The one time the genie got put back in the bottle was Richard Sherman the year before. But you know, then he got hurt, and then that became just an ugly, messy divorce anyway. And in hindsight. They're like, we should have just traded him before the start of the 17th season. Okay, I mean, okay, so. okay. Hold on. So with Le'Veon Bell, because like I, this is something that I was talking um, last week with our with Chip Patterson, who does a great job on the college football mm-hmm. side of things, and um, absolutely, and it does the, the two four seven college sports podcast, which is a great listen that people should subscribe to. Chip drafted Le'Veon Bell in a fantasy league where Chip and I are in the same league, and I sent him an offer of. Josh Gordon and Marshawn Lynch for Le'Veon Bell, and he turned it down, and he came back. He's like, I want Todd Gurley. And I was like, you can go bleep yourself. I was like, because I was thinking, like, Le'Veon Bell might be back after the bye in Pittsburgh. How many – when is he is – he, is he going to play any games for Pittsburgh? Like, will they just pay him when he shows no, up and not play him? I don't think him? he play. I mean, look, he could show up whenever he wants, but he's missed so much time that when he shows up, they could put him on the you know they could put him on the exempt list for a while and, and I would think they'd get at least a week or two 
because we, they, don't, they don't know what kind of shape he's in, right? Right, right? So this isn't like last year where he signs before week one, and it's like, yeah, you know, he's our guy still. Let's put him out there week one against Cleveland and let him touch the ball 20 times. Like, that's it's not going to be the case. So, you know, now it's gotten real personal. So let's say he decides to show up, whatever, you know, Thursday. They right. go to the league, say, hey, we need, we need a couple weeks to figure out what kind of shape he's in. We need a roster exemption to carry 54 players for a while because we're not, you know, he's not ready to play for us yet, no matter what he says. Right. And now that gets us two weeks closer to the trade deadline. And then, you know what I mean? And then they just tell teams, hey, um, we're going to trade him by the time this roster exemption's up. So make your best offers by then. So you I think... don't think he ever plays for the Steelers again. Wow. And I, mean... I don't think he. I I was if you would when this all started going down over the weekend, I would have said they can't get more than a three for him. I'm starting to think they do get more than a three for him, and that the three is kind of the 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 nexus point because if they just let him walk, right? Like if he does come back and he plays his eight games and they let him walk and he goes and gets his forty million dollars guaranteed somewhere else, then they're likely to get that's going to basically ensure they get a third a, round a late a late third round comp pick, right? In twenty twenty, yep. so if they can beat that in twenty nineteen. You know, and at the same time, kind of say we don't capitulate the players, mm. and we rallied behind our offensive line, and look at Connor scrapping every week. You know, are they going to be a better team for it? I don't know. There's no way to play. You could play this out in 20 different models and get 20 different answers, I guess. But that's where that that's where they are as an organization. Now, I don't see them reversing course, and they've got that roster exemption that they can wield like a sledgehammer if they want to. Um, so I don't see him playing. I don't. I don't see him him playing for them, because what's the, if 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 you come down this road, right? And let's say you let him play for a week, and then he blows his knee out, and you're like, damn, we could have got that two for him. I, I just don't. What's mm. the point? All right. So just to kind of set the stage here too for what might happen, the trade deadline for the for the NFL is October thirtieth, which is yeah. a, uh, a that is a. Right after it's a Tuesday after week eight, I believe. Tuesday, it's usually the Tuesday after. It's week a Tuesday eight. after week eight, which is really interesting because the Steelers play at the Bengals in week six, then have a week seven bye, and then get the Browns in week eight. So Le'Veon Bell can show up after the Bengals game on October fifteenth. He can come in and sign his tender. He can have two weeks leading up to the Browns game, and at that point, they basically. Have but see, if you're Le'Veon Bell now, why do you sign the tender? Because to get your like eight hundred thousand a week. I, I get that, but if they're just going to exempt you anyway, and then they trade you wherever they want, hmm. if he wants to exert influence on where he goes, not that there's going to be garbage teams that are in on him, because you know what I mean. How many bad teams want to buy a 28 year old running back for a million dollars a week and not be able to extend him, right. at least formally, not legally be able to extend him? But if he wants to have say in the process, and it's pretty clear by what he's doing right now, he wants to have say in the process, right? Then what? Then you wait to you wait for them to come to you with the trade. And then you say, yeah or nah. You know, or you try to get that team to throw a few extra million at you, which they can do. You can adjust the contract, pay salary. Yeah. You can't adjust the term. You can't adjust the years. Right. You can adjust the money. So, you know, if he were to try to then hold the whole thing up and say, well, yeah, I'll go, but you got to, you know, give me a couple million back. Or not that any team would do it, but. This has never happened in and of itself, or certainly not in my history coming the league. It's, so I would just say, I would think he would wait, right? I would think At so, too. It's sort like, of, he it's, knows they're trying to trade him now. He's interested to see where he goes. He's going to want to go somewhere where they have a good offensive line. And, you know, he thinks it's going to maximize his talents to get paid there or wherever else. 
I'll also wager you that wherever he gets traded is where he ends up signing. I, I would think that would be the case too. And it's interesting. There's not that many landing spots because this is not a. They're not no. going to trade him to Cincy or Baltimore. Not that they need him necessarily. No. New England. Where would he make the most sense? New England. New England right? But they're not going to send but they're him. Not, like out of hand, they won't do that. Like right. that's not happening. Of course not. Um, I would say that the team that makes sense might be the Washington Redskins if they keep winning and Adrian Peterson stumbles at all. But they they can't bring Bell in with Peterson. I I don't think. Maybe the Bears. Maybe the Packers. Um, could the Buccaneers make sense? What about now, uh, to me? The Packers make a ton of sense. What about the, Dol- me, the what about Packers the Dolphins? Make a lot of sense. The Bucks make a lot of sense. What about the um, Dolphins? The Dolphins. It's a kind of a they've kind of gone anti splashy moves lately, but that would fit the the Tannenbaum Steve Ross model. Um, but I, I mean, uh, yeah, I I got a sleeper team for you. Okay. The defending world champion, fly, eagle, fly, Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. The ultimate Howie Roseman move. Trade Nick Foles, get something back for him, and then blammo. Wait, 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 wait. Trade Nick Foles to? Create cap space and, and money. I'm not to... paying him every week. He makes right. real money. Yeah. And then use that. Go to your owner and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn Nick Foles into Le'Veon Bell. All you got to do is pay him. Wow. And then, and then all of a sudden you have Carson Wentz, Le'Veon Bell, a great offensive line. I mean, the guy is up at the end of the year anyway, right? Yep, I mean, yep. like they're not—they have no commitment to him. Yep, that's right. And he's—and he's sort of kind of a Sproles, right? Sproles is banged up again. You know, do they really want to be going into games with Corey Clement and whatever else? Like, that's that is sleeper team. That's a spicy. Uh, that is a seriously spicy. You're right. Yeah, Jay Ajayi's a free agent. Le'Veon Bell is a much better player than, than Jay Ajayi. No offense to Jay Ajayi. And an all-around player. And with Carson, it's going to be a lot of three-step drops, right? I mean, it's going to, everything we just talked about with Andrew Luck applies to Carson Wentz. Yep. So who better to go out there and save the day? And they're obviously trying to win right now, and they've already made a financial commitment. So that's not an owner who's going to let $8 million scuttle the chance to get right. a perennial all-pro every down running back. What's imperative right now more than anything else in Philadelphia? Pass protection. Yep. Who's a better pass protecting running back in the NFL? Wow, that is saucy. Think about all... it. No, I mean, look, it makes total sense. And like, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the situation with Carson Wentz, you don't, we don't know what Alshon Jeffrey's going to end up being this year. Like, he's still banged up. No. Um, Zach Ertz is fantastic, and Dallas Goddard has looked pretty good. But I mean, they've been, they threw seven. Carson Wentz's seven first completions of the 2018 season were all to tight ends. He's clearly going to be. Rest- Restricted a little bit, and they don't have the, the wide receiver weaponry. Lev Bell would open that up for you. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the team, I think, and, and look, all things being equal, they'd want to trade him to the NFC. So I think sure. Green Bay, Tampa, I mean, that those two to me are, are just screaming out. And then, I mean, I just, I, I, Philly, that just, that just smells like a Howie Roseman move to me. That just... This is our and then you're sitting there saying, "Oh, well, they're up against the cap, and they spent all this money." Well, they could trade how they could trade Brandon Graham and Nick Foles. Wow, this is a this is the obvious headline for the article I'll write on Wednesday, um, as people are listening to this. But that's I think that's really interesting. What about so you mentioned? And I know you're running long here, but one more thing on Earl Thomas. Do you think Earl Thomas still gets traded by the Seahawks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. Eh, very hard to whatever you want to call it a rebuild a retool a rethinking a reconfiguration of a team that's been that good and the you know the best remaining player on that side of the ball 
is going to maybe you know is going to practice whenever he feels like it. You know, right? And and he's going to like openly flirt with the other team's sidelines during the game. <laughs> and you know what I mean? He's going to like do whatever he can to put his wares on the shelf for 31 other teams. I think eventually, you know, you're like, this, this probably isn't tenable, you know? And, and if he got, again, that's another one where he's been hurt and you're talking neck and back. And if he gets hurt, you're talking about a, you know, a, a minimal 2020 comp pick and, it's it's hard, man. That's a hard way to run your team with with when one of your best players is at this point. Again, I, I, I they should have done it. I'll say the same thing about I said about Belichick. I'm stunned they didn't do it before the draft. I'm stunned they didn't do it before the season. Um, but there's still a lot of time, you know, a whole month before we get to the deadline, and um, they're not as. I mean, they're not horrible. They're not going to be four and twelve like some people thought, but. I don't. They're also not catching the Rams. You know what I mean. And that's another one where you better mm-hmm. sit there in October, and really be sober about where you are, and and parse out emotion and past glory and um, you know the mythology of the Legion of Boom and all that stuff, and be like, okay, here's where we are. Like we're probably going to be maybe nine and seven if it all goes well, and that's nine and seven because Russell Wilson played out of his mind more times than not, and he's going to start costing us thirty six. $37 million a year in new money. Um, and he's only got one year left on his deal. And, you know, the Rams are three three games ahead of us or whatever, four games ahead of us at the middle of the season. And look at the NFC wild card and who we'd have to get through just to get to a Super Bowl. You know, and we're, we're, not, we're not signing this dude. We've been clear that we're not signing this dude. Uh, you know, I mean, I think you start – adding all that up and it's like yeah let's go get one of jerry and jerry jones is jerry jones is sitting there and he can't be he can't be rational about any of this right no, no. and so his team his team's worse than ours but if he still wants to give us a two in three weeks and we're you know three and four we're going to take that two. that's gonna be a real high two and you know if we drafted like we did the first three years we were here that's a stud so i i i think that's where it's going yeah i think not I, that i'm saying it's jerry jones because they, they you know Part of me is like they should have just made that trade right after the game because two weeks from now, Dallas, you know, even Jerry isn't going to be trying to pretend that they're that they're going anywhere in the NFC. But that's where my that's where my head would be. All right, there it is. Uh, we'll get you out of here. You've been you've been you've been too kind to give a ton of time, Jason Lacafora. Always the best. You can watch him on the NFL Today every Sunday at noon. You can watch him on Tops every morning before that. You can follow him at Jason Lacafora on Twitter, and of course on CBS Sports HQ Live, CBS Sports. We didn't do any overreactions. You didn't. Uh... I know. I know. Well, we did like a mini one about the Patriots, but. Um... We, I gotta, I gotta. Oh, that's true. I guess we did kind of at least sneak. I got, I got, I got a producer's note. They, they want your info, not my overreaction. So that's, that's fine. That's what I said too. I guffawed. I also guffawed. Hey, well, you, we're, we're, we are producing this on the fly. So. That's right. I was like, I was like, you want to, you want to, you want to tell. A take it or leave it situation. You want to tell Michelangelo not to sculpt? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Right. You're going to tell. <laughs> My six-year-old son, the color between the lines. What are you, what are you doing? Exactly. Um, all right, buddy. Thanks as always. We'll uh, we'll chat next hey, week. Yep. Yeah. Talk to you soon, brother. My my pleasure.